When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, my homie? Lisa Billu here. All right, my ladies. Now, one thing I think we can all actually be certain and agree on and have nearly all experience is sadly being used or lied to. Now, when your trust is broken, it's not only painful, but it actually becomes easy to spiral and lose trust for yourself and for anyone that you end up meeting because of that scar from the past. So if you're back on the dating scene or forgiving that person, building trust again or building trust in a new person can actually feel like mission impossible. And so today we're tackling exactly how to avoid the pain of manipulation traps, lies and bullcrap. Let's be honest. And so in today's two-part convo, my guest is literally a human lie detector. She's able to recognize thousands of facial expressions. Annie Sandblad is the global expert in reading facial expressions. And I'm so freaking excited that she's sharing her crucial insights today with us. We dive into how to unmask deceiving sweet talk with Annie's guide to matching actions and expressions with words. And it's such an eye-opener, guys, because the hidden signs that we've been overlooking are everywhere. We also talk about if you're stuck guessing if they're into you or not, then Annie unveils the secret of spotting true arousal in their eyes. And of course, we've got to go deep into how facial expressions reveal the raw, authentic individual. Because your safety, emotionally and physically, is absolutely priority. So guys, if you're somebody with massive trust issues, this conversation is packed with tips and tricks and strategies that you actually can use to avoid potential disaster in the future. So many of us have felt like used or lied to. What tricks can we actually use in our lives to spot the early warning signs of manipulation before we actually fall into their trap? So in, in my field, it's the words and the facial expressions need to match. And that's how we know if somebody's truthful. And the really important thing, especially for women, we're pretty good about knowing and feeling in our gut when somebody wishes us harm. We see those red flags. The problem is that we weren't taught when we were young that that's a real thing. Many of us have been gaslighted. Many of us have been told you're judgmental, you know, you're too critical of other people. Um, and we learn to ignore them and push them aside. And if you see those red flags and you can identify them scientifically with what I teach, you're much less likely to become emotionally or financially or even physically attached to that person. And so you remove yourself before that bond is even created. Empathy is in our chin. Our achy, breaky heart is on our chin. We take this smooth, I like to call it like a grape. And when we feel tenderness or vulnerability, we pucker our chest. So if I'm talking about something that's painful or traumatic or hard for me, and we're in a deep conversation, if we're friends or potential romantic partners, if I say something that's really difficult or painful, there should be a little bit of a quiver in your chin. 
which is your natural response to mirroring my emotions. And if there isn't, you don't really care. You're kind of neutral towards that. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a huge problem. So we could be very good friends. And maybe I've talked about an ex-boyfriend or maybe I've talked about a problem I'm having at work over and over and over again. And you've just got too much on your plate. So in that moment, you're not showing any empathy. But if you never show any empathy, or if we've just met and we're dating and you never exhibit any empathy, then you're not emotionally attached to me. So let me just give you an example. One of the things I do is I'm sometimes brought in by high-powered families that have heightened security needs. So for example, if the father in the family is a really, really well-known celebrity or business person, and they are very wary of raising their children and, and everybody's trying to get to the family one way or another, there may even be security risks. There may even be a threat of kidnapping. And so one of the most important things, and the families that bring me in, they say, okay, well, we need you to um, teach our children to recognize predatory behavior. And I say, okay, but first of all, I have to teach you as a parent so that you can continue to have these conversations so that you both share the same vocabulary and so that your child can come to you and say, this is, you know, this has happened. Somebody showed contempt and disgust when they talked to me and said nice words, which is almost like that growling of a dog. So nice to see you, sweetie. That's a problem. <laughs> we know, right? We feel it in our gut that that's off. Now, the other thing that people sometimes forget is that I need to teach your child also when to trust who we can be vulnerable with, because otherwise we're isolated as human beings. We need to be able to connect. And, and honestly, we have, we have people that exhibit predatory behavior. We have people that really, really love us and wish us well and want to love and lift us. There's plenty of people in between that aren't particularly emotionally attached, or maybe, maybe they will become later, or maybe they're just you know, people that are not playing a starring role in our lives. And that's fine too. I always talk about connection and protection, that they're both sides of the same coin. And with somebody that really is truthful and honest, and intimacy is really found in honesty, their, their facial expressions are going to match their words. And we're going to see that tenderness whenever we're feeling vulnerable. And that's a really clear indicator that, oh, you're feeling my emotions with me you're somebody that I can have a reciprocal relationship with. Okay, so it's the chin. When someone smiles at you, okay. smiles at me. Yeah. They're nice, yeah. right? And But there's obviously, I think you call it, was it the sinister smile and then the genuine smile? Yeah. Okay, so what happens in, in genuine joy is that our cheeks lose gravity. They simply rise up. They pop up. And then this beautiful skin right underneath shows smile bags. It bulges out. And we, it's the funniest thing because all these women are saying, oh, you know, the bag's under my eyes. It's one of the most attractive things in another human being is whether or not they're showing these smile bags. So when I see the smile bags on my face, I go, oh, this is a good picture of me. And everybody who sees that picture, regardless if my hair's a mess, I have no makeup on, I look like I haven't slept in days, they see those smile bags. Oh, that's a beautiful picture of you. Because we humans want to be liked. We want to be loved. We want somebody to care about us and attach. So genuine joy is all in the cheeks. And it's just that skin right there that bulges out. So the knowing smile is this piece of, it's like if you talk about living in a foreign country with me, and I've lived abroad, and you're living abroad, and I go, yeah, I know. I'm just going to take the corner of my lip and just tuck it right into my cheek. I know all about that. Whether or not I think you know about my background, as soon as you start talking about something that I really know well, 
Mm. I'm going to do that little tuck. Now, if you add an element of disgust, watch how, feel how that feels differently. So that's the knowing smile. It almost flickers and wobbles and it feels really, really icky. Mm -hmm. Anytime there's nostril shadows, there's shadows here. That's an element of no, I don't want to. Ew, ick, get away. And it's really only called a smile because it's a contemptuous smile. It's a sinister smile because it's got that lip tuck. Mm. And it's always only on one side for that particular expression. But you get that combination with a little bit of a growl and it's the wicked witch saying, you know, Come have a taste of the candy on my house. I mean, oh, our whole body knows that something's off. Yeah. Okay, so what other things can we start to identify between the, what someone says versus what their facial expressions are telling us? And I think actually you've said, I've heard you say that um, the, the, the face expresses it before the brain registers it. So it's really interesting. So if I have a cup of coffee and I put it down and, and I touch it, the first thing I'm going to do is pull my hand away, even before my brain has registered it's that it's hot. Yeah. You know, the muscle movement precedes the thought mm. process. Mm. And it's the same with the facial expression, that the facial expression precedes the moment of consciousness. And so even for me, if I don't like something, I will literally go into a store when I'm buying clothes and I often want to do it very quickly. And I'll look, nope, 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 nope. I'll let my face tell me what look is going to look good. And then I get to something, my face stays still. And I'm like, okay. And I try that on. And then, you know, maybe it looks good or it doesn't. I know a hundred percent if my face makes that no expression and I buy it. I'll try it on again in the morning and I will never choose to wear it. It will just stay in my closet. So my brain, we don't give enough credit to the parts of our brain that are primitive, that are subconscious. Mm -hmm. And those are the pieces that are really our knowing. And what I do is I connect the dots and I teach you the science, the biology of it all, so that you can say, okay, I really didn't like that. My whole body's telling me no. Good. I love that. So what other signs can we start to identify where maybe somebody may not be into you, but maybe saying they do like you? So one of the things that I've noticed that's a red flag for me is one, somebody that just straight up parrots me. I had a guy mm-hmm. that had watched several of my talks, very handsome man. He just kept saying all of these things. And I was like, oh, he really gets me. I mean, even me. And I'm thinking... Afterwards, I, you know, when he started, when there were too many red flags, and thank goodness there were, so I didn't get physically attached to him in any way, never even, you know, never went past go. Um, but, you know, he was telling me, and you know, I've been obsessed with microexpressions for years. I've read all these books about lie detection. You know, humans are so interesting. I didn't even realize he was parroting my words back to me. And so that's one of the things that people do is they, they figure out your interests and they just parrot it. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business 
business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. I'm going to be utterly honest. There is little more damaging to your confidence than feeling weak and helpless and just struggling to get the care that you actually need from your doctor. And trust me, guys, I unfortunately speak from experience because when I was struggling with crippling, crippling gut issues about nine years ago now, it took me years, years to find a doctor that not only could I connect with, but a doctor that actually would listen, wouldn't gaslight me and actually take my words and my experience as truth so that they could actually eventually help me heal and not just to give me another freaking pill and then push me out the door. But now, my homie, you don't have to struggle to find the right doctor for you you anymore. And that's thanks to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is an absolutely free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and then instantly book appointments with them online. And with ZocDoc, you can actually filter by insurance, location and specialities to find the perfect fit for you, not for your friend, not for anyone else, but for you. Plus, on top of that, you can actually go and read verified reviews from real patients to find the doctor that you can actually trust. And typically, wait times for booking an appointment are days, not weeks. Because let's face it, when you're sick, you need to see someone right now. So my homie, do not, I repeat, do not neglect your health. Instead, go over to ZocDoc dot com slash Lisa and download the ZocDoc app for absolutely free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Lisa. ZocDoc dot com slash Lisa. And he, knowing what I do, wanted to, to have a lot of these messages via text. He didn't even want to necessarily talk on the phone. So he wanted text, 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 text message until we could meet in public. And he wanted to meet in public late at night. And I was like, I don't, you know, I'm not ready to do that, even though I'd met him in, in daylight. So there were little pieces. Um, and there were the other, the other things that, that set off red flags were we had a lot of people that we knew in common, which made him feel safer on the surface, but he was always very negative about those people and, and promoting himself. You know, this person is all ego and all you can't trust them, but you can trust me. And then he said, and this was the death of it. I'm a mostly good guy. Mostly. Mostly is the qualifier. I'm a mostly good. First of all, a good guy will not tell you he's a good guy because he's not trying to convince you. He's just exchanging information and getting to know you. He's not profiling himself and introducing himself on a silver platter. This is the product that you get if you choose to date me. Mm -hmm. So that's already a thing. But, but 
it's really interesting that even people who are pathological liars will often insert one word or phrase that would make the the sentence more likely to be true. You know, were you with her yesterday? I usually go home. That's not what I asked. I asked if you were with her yesterday. Mm. Right? The other thing we look for in person is whether or not somebody in, in the United States, in Western Europe, Canada, Mexico, this is yes, this is no. So you go to Southeast Asia, you go to India, you go to Sri Lanka. Um, there's different head bobs and different head movements. But in a lot of Western Europe and the U.S., North America, this is yes and this is no when our bodies leak. I never did that. And then, oh, nodding. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Honey, you're nodding when you say negative. My son likes to say, when he, he asked me if he could go out one night and I said, oh, maybe. And he said, yes, thank you. Thank you, mom. Yes, thank you. And I said, no, no, I said, maybe. And he said, well, you said maybe and you nodded. When I know that when you say maybe and you nod, that's always going to be a yes. That's where you're going to land. If you say maybe and you shake your head, it's always a no, mom. <laughs> your son can read you. That's amazing. So I trained them as human yeah. lie detectors. And I did, never expected, you know, when he was 13 years old, he's like, oh, you like that guy? Your pupils just dilated. Oh, jeez, What have I done? Oh, so tell me about the pupils dilating. Okay, so our pupils dilate when we really, really want something. When we're scared as human beings, our hands get cold. That's because the blood rushes down to our legs and our feet so that we can run. Run, right? When we're angry, it pumps into our arms and our fists so that we can hit someone. Yeah, so we can. Yeah, exactly. So we can fight. We can defend ourselves. Tense everything up. When we're nervous, we sweat in our armpits, we sweat on our brows, sometimes the palms of our hands. When we're sad, we cry. When we're sexually aroused, the blood pools in the middle of our bodies. Men get erections. Without this change in blood flow, in blood flow and muscle movement, our species would not have survived. Mm. This is how concrete it is. For every specific emotion, there's a change in blood flow and muscle movement that's specific to that emotion and a change in our facial expression. And arousal on the face is shown by dilation of the pupils. And that can be romantically, we think somebody is incredibly attractive. It can also mean want of any kind. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me now. It's like this really needy, greedy feeling. And from chocolate will do it for me. <laughs> so how do you actually decipher in that situation? Let's say you're with a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you're trying to assess whether he actually likes you or if he's maybe just trying to use you. Yeah. You look at the eyes. Yeah. Well, now, he may just want to really get you into bed. Oh, absolutely. It's attraction. Versus, or he's really into you yeah. from a, like, I love you type of standpoint. How do you know or do you not know and you're just... Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, how, yeah, okay. yeah, how know. do you break that so, down? When I teach love and dating, I say above the eyes, in the eyes, under the eyes. Oh. Okay? This that's goes- attraction. So we talked about the smile bags. That's the under. The dilation of the pupils is the want mm-hmm. and the lowering, like the half masting of the eyelids. <laughs> That's the bedroom eyes. <laughs> that is the bedroom eyes. And so if you've got those pieces, that's arousal. That's I want, gimme, gimme, gimme. But again, the achy, breaky heart is on my chin. I like to test and see if I talk about something that's hard or vulnerable. Do you feel that vulnerability with me? And you do constantly. You and I are back and forth and you're mirroring my expressions and I'm mirroring yours. And there's that beautiful connection. So I know that you care about my feelings. So one of the ways I have people practice is they go, oh, you know, and you, you'll you feel it. And if, if different things trigger different people. But we were talking about these pet videos and how much we love our little doggies. And you look at those pet videos, you'll feel it. Or when you say the word, oh, 
oh, that's so cute. We turn that grape into a raisin. It gets all cratered and dimply. Now, here's the thing. You can dip your gaze, and I do it. I teach high stakes negotiation, so I work with a lot of mergers and acquisitions mm-hmm. teams, and you and I both have a business background. And so watching it at the moment that I'm pitching or introducing something that might be difficult, hard for them to swallow, I'm going lower or higher on price than I think they've expected. When I get to that moment where I'm going to say something and I really need to know their response, I'm going to take my gaze and put it here. Anger is the tight lips. Mm-hmm. So with my lips, I have very thin lips. It's going to, sometimes in literature, they will say her lips formed a thin white line. My ex-husband had much fleshier lips. He has a bigger mouth than I do. So only about half of the pigment will disappear for him. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for the change in the baseline. You know, where does this person start? My lips will almost disappear completely. Mm -hmm. But somebody with a fuller mouth won't. They'll, but but there'll still be a change. You'll maybe see fifty percent less of the flesh. And you said that's anger. That's anger. And because they try not to talk, it's, anger is just everything tight. Mm-hmm. Even if my lips are, even though I'm like yelling, it just mm, it makes everything. You know, our shoulders, our neck, our our fists inside our digestive system. Everything gets all tight and clenched. Okay, so then it was okay. those the the tightening the lips, anger. Mm-hmm. The vulnerability, the vulnerability on the chin. on the chin. Oh, crap, which is a piece of fear. So if I teach the big piece of fear. So we take our mouth, we turn it into a rectangle so we can scream. Mm-hmm. We pull our upper eyelids way back so that we can gauge, you know, where can I get, how can I get out of this situation? Where are my exits? And so there's that piece. So with a micro expression, we just take a piece of that rectangle. You see, and, and fear is the, the expression that is going to make the tendons on my neck jump. Ah, ah. So you see those tendons of that person was like, oh, no. And I call it, oh, crap, because if we're in a business meeting, I'm not afraid for my life. Right. It's not terror that I would experience. And I really don't like roller coasters, but, <laughs> you know, that that I would get on a roller coaster. But if you're saying, Annie, um, I want to make sure we're in a business deal and I want to make sure that technology gets to market within the next three months. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't want to blow the whole deal. And I go, yeah, absolutely. My body doesn't actually believe I'm... I'm for sure going to get that technology ready for, mm. for market within that time frame. And so you know how to use those facial expressions to then know how to negotiate. Yes. And so I can see exactly how somebody's responding in that exact moment to the trigger. I can't ever tell what they're thinking. I can only tell what they're feeling. Now, so so if if I say, for example, I think we need to meet on Thursday and go through the whole, you know, and finalize a deal, and you go, oh, it may be because you don't want to, you're afraid about the deal. It may be that Thursday you're already double booked. So I don't know what it is that you're oh. thinking. I just know that there's an issue. It shows me where to dig, where to go and get more information, where I need to. You know, if, if you're nodding and showing like, that's great. Okay, I can be pretty sure that you're intending to show up on Thursday and we might even get this deal closed. Because we're in alignment. And your body will know. You don't have to be able to dissect it and have the vocabulary to know that something's off. You feel it right in your gut. For me, it's the solar plexus. And I'm going, go. Because I know so many times I didn't listen to that when I was younger, even though I knew that there was something off. Because our bodies are, our, our survival instincts as a species has been dependent on recognizing danger and being able to protect ourselves, our family members, our offspring, the people we love, the people that we're connected to, that we rely on for business, for food, that kind of thing. So our bodies, dollars to donuts, you can process all of this with your brain and you just know. Mm. I'm giving the words so that you say, 
so you don't just stop second guessing yourself. So you say, not only did that person feel like he didn't care about me, but when he was saying he cared about me, he's growling at me like a dog. So that's what I was going to ask you about gaslighting, because that's the thing where people, they, someone's manipulating you and making you second guess yourself. Yes. So how do we use these tools with that situation where we, um, so we don't then say that feel like it's us and we can actually identify, oh, they're trying to gaslight me. Our facial expressions leak our hearts and our emotions. And the problem with gaslighting is that it turns it back on ourselves where we feel smaller, more insignificant. We second guess our intelligence, our worth, whether, you know, even things like our weight or what we look like or how we're aging or how we're not aging. All of these pieces become devalued because somebody who is predatory in our personal life is going to want to keep us small so they don't so they won't lose us so they they you know narcissists we talk about supply so they maintain that supply um and so it i mean first of all i have so much compassion for people that are stuck in abusive relationships i've been i've been in abusive relationships that is by the way just to be clear not why my ex-husband and i separated but i have absolutely been with abusive men and i had abuse in my childhood and so my heart goes out to everybody who experiences that. And one of the things that even during and after you feel stupid, you know, you feel like I knew this. Why couldn't I stand up for myself? I should know better. I don't want people to know what was done to me or what I experienced because there's shame involved. Don't be ashamed. When other people hurt you, don't be ashamed. That's on them. And so, so yes, sometimes it takes a while to get out of it, but that's big and bold and brave and good for you for finally getting out of it and for asking for help. You know, if we can't do it all by ourselves, ask for help. And if, if we don't get help from one place, ask for help for, ask for help from another, from another person and just be kind during the journey because it's really, you know, be kind to yourself. How did you start to trust again? after having that from childhood and adulthood, but trust other people, but also trust yourself. I got a comment in one of my YouTube videos. Guys, I do read everything that you guys write. Um, I take it to heart. And one woman had written, well, um, I think the takeaway is just never to trust somebody and then you won't get heartbroken again. And that broke my heart to read that because I think trust is can be beautiful when it's given to the right person. And I think people don't necessarily know, especially if you've been burnt in the past, you don't know how to then trust again. Or like I said, trust yourself into being able to um, choose the right person. Right. And so I'm going back to like your dating and your love thing. Mm-hmm. I think people then go into certain situations where there's new relationships or dating with their guard up. And they're, they're maybe hiding their expressions. They're maybe hiding their facial um, reactions right. so that someone doesn't then use it against them so they don't ha- uh, get heartbroken again. Um, and so I've heard you talk about the signs of sleaze. The first thing is, as we've mentioned, and it so bears repeating, you want their facial expressions and their words to match. Mm-hmm. So again, that's the, the easiest expression is that bad bunny rabbit little twitch. You see that little hop of the nose and somebody is saying a positive while showing a negative. That's a problem. They don't really believe that. Saying, showing a negative facial expression while you're saying like, I hate it with betrayal, toxic relationship. That's fine. You have these really strong feelings about it's not okay to lie to somebody. It's not okay to cheat. It's not a betrayal is not okay. That matches. That's the no face and saying a negative. Perfect. Mm -hmm. 
we're watching for somebody saying like, I'm really happy for you as they raise their cheeks and they're showing their smile bags. That's yes. And you nodding is really just genuinely showing that emotion. You're so invested. You almost want to take action. That's your body leaping. We can stop ourselves from making the macro expressions. We can't really stop ourselves from making the micro expressions. Those leak. And so learning to trust and, and loving somebody and showing our, we can't ever really feel loved as a human being unless we feel known. So I can be all polished and poised and plastic. And if I feel like I get your approval, that's fine. I'm going to feel like I got approval from you. I'm not going to feel loved unless you know how weird and wonky and wobbly I am. Unless I can say, when you ask me, how are you doing today, Annie? It's just hard. Like parenting is hard. Working is hard. Being a woman is hard. Um, worrying about friends and loved ones, health and, and mental stability and, and emotional and physical health is hard. Life is hard. Mm. So unless we can be real, we can't ever really feel loved. It's the only shot any of us have of filling our cup and being able to fill somebody else's cup is to be real and authentic with, with somebody else. And the more you see that the facial expressions are aligned, the more you can trust that person. That person is is showing you their honest, true self. And I mean, sometimes people lie when they want to keep some privacy. And that's that's not necessarily a red flag. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tell every person every piece of me. I have the right to maintain some some privacy. So there are some lies that are not horrible lies. That I I am brutally honest. I never lie to my kids. I uh, over and over will tell the truth, even when it's really uncomfortable. When I when I got divorced, I asked them straight out, "Do you want to know when I start dating?" And they were like, "No," right? Ugh. And I said, okay, then I won't tell you. Then you have to be comfortable with me being pretty evasive and you can't call me out for it because oh you're going to see yeah, it, right? Like, mom, you're lying. You're like, you yeah. told me you didn't want to Yeah, you tell me you didn't want to know. So that's kind of it. But I almost have to make the deal with them ahead of time. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. So we're looking for those pieces. And in terms of really learning it, um, I was six months away from getting a teacher's degree when I when I decided to pivot towards anthropology. So the book shows you as you've read the conversations, there's some poems in it. It's it's a, each piece is meant to elicit one or a couple 
really strong emotions. When we feel those emotions, we actually make the facial expression. So there's a method to the madness. And I could only really get that deep emotion when I was telling the truth. Mm. And so what's the difference, like, for instance, because I love how you just broke that down, but things like flirting or someone just being nice to you. So flirting is always going to involve a little bit of self-grooming. You know, like, like twirling of the head. Yeah, it's 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 for women in particular. When we flirt, we showcase. I have lips, I have a neck. Like, look at these pieces that I have. I have shoulders. I have you know, <laughs> flipping of the hair. Look at my hair. I have hair. That's very different from self soothing. When humans are nervous, we touch our skin. Where we touch our skin varies from person to person. Mm. So the facial expressions, that's all biology. That doesn't vary from person to person. The micro expressions are the same. I did a lot of high stakes negotiation in Asia and, and certain cultures were really, are really, really trained to show that poker face, mm. not to show any emotion. Still get the micro expressions in every meeting, every meeting. Cause I've heard you even say mm. like blind people have the same expressions. Yeah. You can be born blind, never see another human face, and you still make the same facial expressions. In fact, they tend to make more macro expressions because nobody's training them out of it quite as much. Mm. But this is a thing that we are born with that we know, and that's such a beautiful quality in a human. So I'm really trying to get into the brains of my yeah. audience right now. So if they're smiling at you from across the room, mm. sometimes you're just like, are they just smiling at me or are they trying to like flirt with me? What is a different facial expression maybe? Or is there a difference? They're going to lower those eyelids if they're really, really into you. And one of the things I did when I was trying to practice that, it took me years to figure out like, what is that thing? I can see when a man is aroused, can see it on film, what is happening? Mm. And it's, they just, it's like the, uh, now to be fair, eyelids slip down when people are really sleepy, but that gives like a groggy, know the difference when you see it. It's kind of like, what do they call that? Pornography. Oh. Like, you know what you like when you see oh. art or pornography, you know <laughs> yes. when you see it. Like, it's hard to describe, but you're like, oh yeah, that's porn. Right. Um, that's not like, mm, right. So, so there's this piece of like when someone's really sleepy, their eyelids come down, but it's kind of this blurried expression and they just kind of look checked out. Whereas if you do the bedroom eyes and you're cute enough that I can do it. <laughs> Why, thank you. Yeah, thank you. But it's just this little saucy slip, right? And then often what we do, especially as women, we will tilt our or when we're when we feel really comfortable, even mm. dogs won't show you their neck mm. unless they feel really safe with you. I have one client. Every time he walks in, I go, oh, and I go, oh, I just tilt my neck. Oh, my God. He goes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I do. I love him to bits. He's such a sweetheart. But it's so awkward when you've taught somebody and then you're like, oh, he looks so handsome yeah. today. <laughs> Okay, so if someone's just being nice, they may just do the smile. They'll with do it. just like a joy. Right, I mean, right? right? And you notice that, like, I'm a straight woman, and I and I will generally give you just, you know, I won't give you a ton of eyelid unless I'm trying to to show you what that means like. But but there's a difference between I'm so happy to see you mm. and like, hey mm. baby, and the one piece of body language or the piece that I teach the most because body language varies from person to person. Even mm. like two sisters in the same family mm. can have very different body language. And anybody who tries to say like, this means defensiveness. When you cross your arms, this is like, the, here's the dictionary of this. This this body language means this. No, it could mean I'm cold. Mm. It could mean um, I'm feeling, I could, could mean I'm feeling a little reserved or defensive. It could mean I'm Swedish. 
<laughs> it could mean I'm German. All, all the right. Nordics, all the Northern Europeans tend to, you know, just have a little mm-hmm. bit more closed body language. And, and a lot of people up there culturally will say, well, yeah, but this is really comfortable. I'm, I'm, I feel good in this position. That's okay. But if you and I are having an argument. Like almost like if you don't want to be vulnerable. Well, it could be. Yeah. And, and it's just not particularly open. But, but when you're really cold, you do it too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a variety of situations that you might do. And again, you need to look at context. But saying that that means one thing every time is simply not true. Mm. We all have these little ticks and twitches when it comes to our bodies. One thing that is really universal, and there's a man um, named Joe Navarro, who is, I just adore his books on body language. And he talks about self-soothing and that human beings, when we're nervous, we touch our skin. So what makes you in a conversation start to touch your skin, which is what what stimulates it, what triggers it. And where we touch our skin, where we're nervous, depends on the person. So I might rub my my wrist. I could rub the back of my neck. I could pull on my necklace, which is that I have a daughter that pulls on her hair because it stimulates her scalp. We touch our skin, it increases our dorphins, it slows our breathing, it's, it slows our heart rate, it makes us feel good. You think about the boob, right? It all goes back to breastfeeding. Like we just want that boob right on our face. So when people get really nervous, we tend to touch our faces. Oh, is that why? Yeah, I think so. We want, we want to touch someone else's skin, but when we don't have anybody available, we just do it ourselves. <laughs> my husband's going to use that as an excuse now to just come and rest his head <laughs> on my boob. Gonna, exactly. He's just going <laughs> to give me a little boob. But yeah, there's this piece we just touch our skin. So I've seen men pull up their like socks and push one sock down and like pull up their pant leg and rub their legs under that that's self-soothing and so if you understand the concept of i'm nervous uncomfortable i'm gonna calm myself down by stroking my beard touching my face rubbing my forehead pulling at the skin here anywhere you do i saw a nato general uh, on stage in prague Many years ago, and he was getting these really awkward, uncomfortable, you know, frankly, inappropriate questions. And the person was trying to show off who was interviewing him. Mm-hmm. And he had this beautiful square posture. And I thought, he's got to start self-soothing any second now. He just twisted his hand, turned it up, and started rubbing his thumb against his finger. And I was like, there it is. There's his nerves. Well trained. Wow. Uh-huh. That's fast. I've se- I've definitely seen guys do that. Have the- you seen the steeple, right? Presidents are trained to do that. So Barack Obama initially was doing different things with his hands. And I knew, um, I saw him before, I saw him speak before he was elected. And I thought, you know, he hasn't gone through the media training. Once they're in the media training, this is how they do, they do the steeple because it looks powerful, but they're still calming themselves down oh. by touching their skin. Yeah, Whoa. that's what it is. Looks powerful, but it still like has that effect that I'm calming myself down. But it's an accepted way to do it. That's fascinating. Yeah. Could that be anxiety? Yeah. Um, so the interesting thing is, when does it happen? Mm, when mm-hmm. do you do it in the mm-hmm. conversation? Is it when I talk, when we talk about toxic relationships, you might touch your skin. A very typical place for us to touch when we're feeling really nervous is to cover our neck. Why is that? I think it's because it's one of the fastest ways to kill a human is to get to the chronic ar- artery. And so we automatically would do that, except when women are pregnant. They'll the reach for their neck and won't get all the way there, and then they'll cover their belly. For protection. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Oh, my God, that's fascinating. Um, I heard you tell a story about um, a, mar- a married man tried to hit on you. Is that right? Oh, um, a lot but, of married <laughs> But, he, didn't tell, <laughs> like, but he told you that he wasn't married, and so... Oh, I get a lot of people saying, uh, you know... 
how did you know when you wanted to get divorced? And could you give me some advice on that? And there was a man that um, in particular, I'm guessing that I know specifically uh, who you're talking about and, and was just had set up this whole scenario. And I even checked with a couple people. Yeah, he's on the verge of getting divorced. No, there was no, he'd just been telling everybody that because that's how he tried to seduce women that he was. And, and thank goodness but I was pulled into the emotional, you know, I was thinking, I just went through this myself. And you know that inclination when someone has been through toxic relationship or something, you want to be an ear to them, you want to help. And that's how he was creating this space where he was getting my attention. How did you know when your marriage was over? And how did you, you know, I just, I feel, I feel numb. I don't think there was ever any connection. She only wants me for my money, like all this. He had this whole battery of of things that he said. And I could hear that the cadence was off when we talked. But again, this was somebody who preferred to create the attachment through text, which was kind of fascinating because I still have all those texts in my phone. If I ever met his wife, I'd be like, hey, honey, <laughs> ever need some support for your divorce? Yeah. yeah. So explain that to me. You said that twice now about how they don't want to do on the phone, but they want to do on text. Why is that a sign? That's a bad sign because somebody who is a systematic liar thinks they can control it and they can control their anxiety. And these are often people that are really trying to pump up their ego. So if the conversation gets too real, they can just not text back for a while. Oops, sorry, had a meeting, had a blah, 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 blah. They can just back. They they have a, a quick, easy out. And it's a way to create intimacy and to give some some time in their response too. Whereas it's much harder to lie. And, you know, I'm a human lie detector. It's hard to lie to me. I have to be pretty motivated. And I could see the red flags. Honestly, I could. I was just really lonely. And, and um, you know, I'd, I was divorced at that point, hadn't dated anybody at all. And for whatever reason, this specific individual pressed some of my trauma bonds. He reminded me of the love of my life and in a variety of ways. And it just almost on a subconscious level, there was there was a connection. He also smelled delicious, you know, and he was really handsome. So break and that down, f- break that down for me, because being a lie detector yourself, this is so powerful that even you are able to get trapped somehow. And maybe that's where the obsession comes. That I have this tendency to so want to trust people, and I've been so deeply betrayed. And I think there's a desperation almost in me to figure out who I can trust. And this has given me that extra layer of being able to trust, but it's, but it's a tool. I mean, the real deep trust is having people in your life where their words and their actions align over and over and over and over again. And they show up for you. They show up for you when you're in crisis, when you're sad, when you're not your best self, when you're crabby and lonely and maybe don't have that much to offer, but these are the people that kind of stick by you and and are like, okay, well, you know, I love you enough to love you kind of in your worst state. Mm. And and I was lucky enough to have people that showed up like that for me and who let me do that same thing for them. I talk a lot about in my book, reciprocity. And I think I'm too vulnerable in my relationships. I tend to give too much. But but I also am able to let go of relationships where where people show me multiple times that they really don't care about my well-being. I do. I let go of those clients. I let go of those friends. I let go of those romantic partners. And 
part of the reason I can let go is because I do have a couple really solid people that I lean on that feel like family to me. And because of that, you taught your daughter, I believe, or your kids. kids. Um, And if you don't mind sharing that story where your daughter basically saved other kids' lives. Um, My daughter uh, came home one day. uh, This is Emma. She was five. And she said she didn't like a specific grown-up. And at her school. At her school. And I said, why don't you like him? And she said, he shows contempt and disgust when he talks to me. Nice to see you, Emma. And I flagged it to the authorities that that was predatory behavior and also somebody who didn't belong in the school. And um, the school was wonderful about it. And um, they contacted the police and he was extradited. Well, because uh, he, he had a, uh, a background a of, of, of molestation, correct? Yes, correct. Correct. He was after little boys. So he was growling at my daughter because she was in the way. And because she spotted it and because you notified the... Yeah, and that's the most clear example where there was actually a specific outcome. There have been many times when my kids and I have recognized predatory behavior and flagged for it. Both, you know, and sometimes you can't bring somebody to justice because you don't have enough proof. Um, And you can't also go out into society and say, you know, this person is showing all these signs. Mm -hmm. We can't do that. We have to Mm -hmm. act responsibly and there has to be proof. But there have been times when I've gone on and and talked, I've gone in to talk to people in in authority, positions of authority, and said, these are the red flags I see. If you see any red flags like this, please know that... um, that this is the science behind what I see and why these red flags are coming up in my mm-hmm. brain and why my children have flagged for it. Yeah, I think that's the important part yeah. of that. If you see the flags, now it al- allows you to walk into a situation, hopefully with eyes wide open, right. knowing the situation, right. versus being manipulated or tricked into Correct. believing it's something very different. Right, and how many, I mean, so many of these people that are coming out in, in public that are getting accused, and people are saying it wasn't a well-kept secret. Everybody knew, everybody knew Harvey Weinstein, and people people said, you know, word on the mm-hmm. street, stay away from him, don't go up to your hotel room with him. I mean, this has unfortunately been the life that we've, that we've lived, so many of us women. I don't know any woman who hasn't been harassed or assaulted. I mean, it just, it isn't a thing. Um, But so for me, I have to be very cautious about how I do it, but I do make sure that there are eyes on that person. Mm -hmm. But to your point though, even yourself, Mm -hmm. having known all this, you still got you know, uh, swooed or whatever the word is by somebody who- Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I swooned a little too. Yeah, I was like, swoons, <laughs> right? Um, but you totally got swayed by somebody, yeah. right? Who, yeah. Um, but I didn't end up in bed with him. He was never able to close the deal, thank God. And and so and so, what if he had? You know, honestly, so what? I don't I don't believe that anybody should be shamed for their sexuality no. or for um, having good intentions or wanting to be loved. But um, but me being able to do the science and it wasn't so much the micro expressions because we weren't meeting in person. And that was the thing. That was why it just kind of kept going, even though I was seeing these red flags, because they're less clear when it comes to word choice. And and it's it's afterwards when all the pieces fell fell into place. And I thought, oh, and I could read the text. <laughs> I was like, and I knew even when I was writing, well, that's, you know, nobody says I'm a mostly good guy. Who says I'm a mostly good guy? So what would you do differently now with that same guy? 
I think, first of all, I'm not in a position where I'm so lonely and so needy that I ignore the signs. I mean, I think that's sometimes the thing that we um, human beings, both men and women, find that we get into bad relationships when we don't have enough love and tenderness and protection in our lives, when we're isolated and lonely. And that was, you know, really coming out of COVID and all of that isolation, um, I'm not in a vulnerable position. I'm a well-loved woman and I get a lot of uh, happiness from my platonic relationships. More so, ironically, than I've ever found in any romantic relationship. And so that protects me. Uh, going out and doing big, bold things professionally and uh, betting on myself, that also helps my self-esteem and makes me feel better about myself. So I'm not in that position but I don't think we can entirely protect ourselves. I mean, that's where my obsession is. I can keep trying to get more information and, and to help others protect. And we can't do it 100%. And we need to forgive ourselves when we do trip and fall because that's humanity. We're messy creatures. And, and thank goodness that we're not robots because we'd never be able to find connection. You and I wouldn't be able to have this conversation and this chemistry that we so clearly have, mm-hmm. right? If we were completely guarded. Yeah. You know, if you want to make sure to have a really miserable life, you know, keep all of those walls up and don't ever let anybody in. But unfortunately, we can't protect ourselves to 100%. 